Welcome to the Conscious Christian Conversations podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Kyleen. We are two spunky Christians with diverse backgrounds and life experiences who want to encourage each other and you listening to challenge your subconscious beliefs. Each episode, the two of us will be having a conversation around a specific topic that we may or may not have different perspectives on. If you haven't already, please listen to episode one to learn what we are all about. Without further ado, here is today's episode. So welcome to season two of Conscious Christian Conversations. I'm Tanya, and this is Kylene. Hi, Kylene. We took a little break over the summer, and uh, when we were deciding to come back and the topics that we wanted to cover this season, we really thought that it would be fun to kind of explore the Gospels and talk a little bit about the harmony of the Gospels this season, something that would be a little bit more, you know, meaty and in the Word. So, um The harmony of the Gospels, uh, for anybody who might not know or have heard of that term, is basically a comparison, a side-by-side comparison of the differences and the similarities between the four Gospels. And so you can actually Google harmony of the Gospels and it will have a document that comes out that lists all of the major events that are listed out in the Gospel, in each of the Gospels. And then it will have a column of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it will tell you where in that specific gospel, that story can be found if it's there. So for example, um, the pre-Christian narratives so or pre-Christ narratives, like before Jesus was um, born, you've got Luke in chapter one and the God was the word in John, but nothing in Matthew and Mark, like they just dive in um, around Jesus's birth. So there's, uh, there's a lot of differences and a lot of similarities between the gospels. So today we really wanted to just kind of describe um, a little bit of what we learned about the history of the Gospels, who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were, um, why the Gospels were written in the first place, why there might be so many discrepancies, and um, and set us up for our journey through the four Gospels. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I would even say discrepancies, just differences, because I think a lot of like when you're looking at four books written by four different people talking about the same person's life. <clears throat> Just thinking about like our podcast, even and how you and I have um, different views on the world and different life experiences, right? Like we're gonna, we are going to want to highlight and emphasize different things for different people um, because we find them to be very important, right? Like this is the message that like I want to get across, and yeah. I think one of the things that's been that I think will come across as we go through this is how much of them say the exact same things happen when they're talking about the specific miracles or the specific events and the specific, um, outcomes of Jesus ministry. And so how many of them parallel, and then each one takes a unique perspective because I think they all, they each have like their own, there's a reason they're writing it. And I think they all have their own, um, people that they're writing to. And so looking at it through that lens of, they're, they're each going to feel like there's a different purpose for communicating this. Cause actually, I think one of the things I learned when we were looking at this was that Mark was the first gospel written, which kind of mm-hmm. like annoys me. Cause I'm like, why isn't it first? Like, but anyway, I know, not, I, know, you know, I know, Mark, Matthew, <laughs> anyway. Um, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark, they pretty much all agree was like the first gospel written. And so, you know, the other people, the Matthew, um, Luke and John, probably all knew that Mark was already written. So if they're going to write it again, 
they include a lot of the same information. It's like if if I know that there's a book on trauma, but I'm going to write something different for my clients, I'm probably going to include a lot of the, the same information to validate what's already out there and kind of like remind people, right? But then I'm going to go, but you know, I have this perspective about why this is important and what I want to share with you. And so that's why it's a different book. You know what I mean? So I think that'll be interesting to kind of- And you might be writing out. it to like single moms and somebody else might be writing their book to, you know, married dads. Right. So there's also going to be a different, you know, a different group of people that are going to be that they're, that they're talking to as well. So, yeah. So I, I wrote that down when we, um, when I was looking into it. So Matthew writes to the Jews, Mark writes to the Romans, Luke writes to the Gentiles. Um, I guess the Gentiles that are converting to Christianity and John mm-hmm. writes to basically all people. So that's well, kind actually, of interesting... I found that John was more specific to the attacks of the Gentiles on the church. So he was mm-hmm. trying to describe or to explain Jesus's um, purpose and his, his teachings to the Gentile community as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but, which would, which yeah. would be valid for everyone to, everyone. yeah. Yep. So, so you have basically it when you're thinking about, well, okay, there you, you brought up before we started recording, like the historicity of it. When you're talking about validating documents, when you have multiple historical documents to sort of back each other up, that's one thing that scholars look at. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, So it's interesting that we have four that have really kind of through scholarly research and all this kind of stuff stood the test of time that agree so much with each other about a lot of things, but then they are like we were talking about just a second ago, different enough because they kind of wanted to get a a specific point across to a specific group of people. Mm -hmm. And with the political climate at the time, it's almost like today, if someone, if someone was trying to communicate a certain point, they would write one book for the Republican party and a different yep. book using different language, yes. or sharing maybe different, different, um, the emotional context for the democratic party. Right. But the, yep. the, if they're trying to get the same point across, there might be slightly different things to focus on in different ways. So that's just kind of an interesting Well, and I also found it very interesting that, you know, they, this is a time where the written word was way less common. Like this is an oral tradition. And I knew that, but I guess in my head, I'm thinking like they're writing stuff down as they're doing it. So I always thought of it more of like a historical document where it was actually documenting the events of Jesus' life. So when there are discrepancies and there are a few places where there are actual discrepancies, like um, the one that that pops into my head are the reports of um, the empty tomb. And there's like three different versions of who discovered it and what order and Mary, you know, being there or there was a group of women, but she was by herself. And then there was an angel or there was not an angel. And so there, there I always wondered, like, how can you have these these three or four different people and they're all kind of a different version of the same story but as I was doing that digging too I started to understand like sure there was the the you know all the points that you've mentioned where they they had different backgrounds they were talking to a different audience but then also understanding for me learning that for example Peter would kind of change his story and and also Paul from what I read would kind of change their stories of what Jesus did to kind of fit with the audience of the time. So there were always little changes to the story here and there, whereas essentially like the, the meaning was the same, 
but the, what happened, like how they told the story was slightly different so that it would jive more with the people that they were talking it, like they could relate to it better. And so understanding that they actually purposely changed some of the specific details of the event in order to get the main idea across um, was actually really, really um, eye-opening for me. And I actually wrote down the gospels made different in some of the events, but the underlying message taught by Jesus was always consistent. Like there's no, any kind of discrepancy between it when it comes to um, how Jesus, like how he acted, what he taught, like that is 100% consistent throughout all, all the entire Bible. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear what you mean by those because um because nothing is like coming up in my mind right now but um I'm you know I'm wondering right. about the language versus the details so that'll be and when those mm. come up that'll be interesting to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so another thing that they um do is not just well in in sort of the same context that we're we're different people with different mindsets um with different purposes in writing these but also different people were writing them too they sort of to your point of what you're talking about, they have a certain lens that they want to communicate uh, about Jesus. And so right. when Matthew's writing to the Jews, he's portraying Jesus as a king. Now, I didn't do a deep dive into this, but there's probably some political reasoning around that because the Jews expected the Messiah to be a political power. Mm -hmm. And so if Matthew is trying to communicate that Jesus is the Messiah using terminology, like he is the King um, that you've all been waiting for, he, you know, that, um, you know, trying to kind of reiterate that to the Jewish people is probably an intentional choice in that language. Right. Um, when Mark is writing to the Romans, Mark, and this is all actually just clicking as I'm talking, but Mark writes to the Romans, he's portraying Jesus as a servant now. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's fascinating mm -hmm. because if you're writing to the Roman empire, that is basically in charge of dictating and ruling over everyone, it, they, then you are, um, you know, really demonstrating that this man that, you know, you claim is God and has all the power in the world is coming to actually act as a servant. And here you're communicating, you know, true leadership coming out of empathy and love right. and sacrifice. And so that would be revolutionary if you think about, you know, the Roman empire, which is so funny mm -hmm. that we're talking about that because in a, um, there's like a TikTok trend right now asking men, like, how often do you think about the Roman empire? I know I've heard about that. Like every week. Cause like who thinks about the Roman empire every week? What? That's so weird. Right. Okay. And then, um, okay. So then I, I, every day, right. Who does that? Um, Luke is writing to the Gentiles. So non-Jews who are converting to Christianity and, uh, Luke portrays Jesus as the son of man. So I didn't do a deep dive into that, but I know that the terminology is very important because it is establishing him as God and as the Messiah. And, you know, there's um, so, some sort of connotation, I think maybe with the old Testament that sort of locks that terminology locks him into that is who he is. Um, and so maybe, you know, maybe the terminology of King for Jews was more important and the terminology of son of man was more relatable to um, non-Jews in terms of understanding the context, like who knows what the choice was there. Um, or maybe it's just how Luke really, you know, understood and viewed it himself that you know would, that would be interesting to to look at um because my what i read was that luke was writing to the greeks so specifically the gentile greeks and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see if there are other um uh 
Because, you know, like if Greece, that makes sense within like their ideology. Right. Like, because they had Aristotle and Plato and all of these, you know, philosophers. If there was something about, you know, that particular connotation that um, would strike a chord with them in their philosophy. Or even their, um, their divin their belief in divinity right mm -hmm. like if it paralleled something in the beliefs that they already had um and then you have john portraying him as the son of god just very clearly stating his divinity and he's sort of writing to everyone so that's kind yeah. of you know i i had written those down separately like who they were writing to and then how they portrayed jesus but looking at those together is kind of interesting to me because i think there's a specific purpose well, i'm writing to these people and so the lens that I'm going to write this through is very intentional. The wording that I use is very intentional. The context is very intentional. But across, like you were mentioning, all four of them, the point is the same. They want you right. to come to understand who Jesus was and what his purpose was in coming. And and they all talk about different aspects of Jesus' person. Like he is a king and he is a servant. Like right. you have that mm -hmm. contradiction in Jesus himself. And so it's interesting to me that the four gospels or the four writings that survived kind of outline each of these aspects of his personality and who he was. Yeah, uh, that's a good point too. Just even saying like, <laughs> Hey, there's, it, there's validity to four people describing him differently because then you get to see different aspects of his character. Yeah. Yeah. And um, kind of along with with that idea, uh, I read in my, I have a, a book called The uh, Archaeology of the Bible by National Geographic, and it's the greatest discoveries from Genesis to the Roman era. It's very interesting if anyone's interested in the archaeological piece of things. But I read in there um, about the, that there were a lot of, of kind of, like, for example, there was a quote unquote gospel of Thomas, where he basically just wrote down all of the sayings of Jesus. Like there was no story. It was just like what he could remember Jesus actually said. And it, they were quotes of his. Um, and then, you know, there's all these other letters that had been written and all of this other, you know, documents that people had been writing down, but were lost over time. And I find it very interesting that these specific four gospels are basically what have remained of the tradition of Jesus and, um, you know, how purpose purposeful that was like, you know, people always say, Oh, well, the Bible was written by, by men, not by God. And, um, I just see, you know, there were probably hundreds of documents or maybe even more than that, that could have made it through time to reach us. And yet, they're all lost. Like we don't have them. And, but these four have remained for us. And, and it just, it just brought up the the question for me of whether or not that, well, not whether or not, but that that was most likely intentional. And this is what we're supposed to learn from, from his life, you know, just. Well, yeah. I mean, I, my understanding of this is that it was very intentional because you had people um, very, very early on as the church was created and as um, the documents were in existence um, basically giving them verification and, um, you know, within a fairly short period of time in terms of history, establishing the church, establishing what you're going to base it on, and then eventually going into the whole canonization of we, mm -hmm. we permanently throughout history, accept these and don't accept these, but that was all sort of like in the workings really fairly early. I had, um, actually, had a note somewhere in my notes here if I can find it um because there were three scholars th that were all sort of around 150 mm -hmm. AD so it's like 
within one generation, basically, right. since Jesus' death, and that they, were and starting to some they were starting these. to verify mm-hmm. specific documents. Correct. They were starting to like really say this document we you know we believe is written by this person, and this document is written. And so, I mean, for you know that time, and like you're saying, like they didn't have the internet and all that. That's very tight. Um, mm-hmm. It's very um, you know they. We sometimes I think before we had certain technology, we think, oh, people just like didn't keep track of things. No, I would say it would be almost even more, right? Right. They were were very strict about records back in the day. And when things were written down, they were taken care of and tracked. Historians held a very important role in society. Like they were very revered because they were the ones, the keepers of the history of the people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was like, yeah. So, uh, we, okay. I, here I found it. It was Arrhenius, Tertullian and yep. Clement of Alexandria. The reason I mark those down is they all gave Mark credit as the author of Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all around that same time of like 150, 160 AD. Um, and so, yeah, it's just interesting in terms of, you know, when you're looking at the timeline, because one of the things you and I were talking about before we started was the arguments um that they have around when these books were written all i mean there's a little bit of variety there but all of them were within the generation of people that would have lived with jesus so there's no yes. real argument around that right um and that alone is a huge claim because yes. when you think about um you know history that we do accept or things that we do or or um documents that we do accept um they're not all that close that, right. that, you know, within that time period. And so that's kind of and, an interesting. And they don't have four independent, or did you say three or four? Three independent people who are saying it as well. Like a lot of times it's just one other person references this and then that's enough for them to say, oh yeah, this is going to be, you know, a, a historical document or whatever. So it's got. Yeah. Like it was, it was the, the, when you, yeah, the, the, swiftness with yep. which um gospels were written and then spread and then accepted and um stuck around is fascinating yeah. especially when you consider that very shortly after this time period that they were written the christians were under extreme persecution from nero and yeah. they were all basically getting killed and so you know if you didn't find this to be worth dying for you would have given it up very quickly in that environment Mm -hmm. and so the fact that it spread that it stayed around and it grew and that people were dying for it all within about one generation is like insane that is insane I think about that all the time it's like you have you know for people who say oh who's just another prophet or you know he's just a really wise man it's like people don't die for wise men like I'm sorry there's something more that all of these people would stick by it and allow themselves to be tortured, fed to lions and lit on fire and all the horrible things that happened to him back yeah, then. Yeah, Nero was horrible. It was like oh. really just an absolute like reign of terror basically for yeah. Christianity at the time. And it was so soon after is a thing. Um, yeah, it's just, and you do, you have all of the disciples that ended up being martyred and, um, you know, within their lifetime, essentially most of them, almost every single one of them, I think ended up being martyred for their beliefs. And that's within one, it's within the same generation after except for John. Yeah. 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 So, and, and in case anybody doesn't know the emperor Nero was, um, he was what from like 49, um, AD or something like that to, 
I don't know how long he reigned for, but, um, and essentially what happened is everybody was like copacetic, the Jews and the Christians and everybody, but then, um, Nero started kind of losing it going off the deep end. And, um, in 64 AD, there's a great fire that spread and Nero blamed the Christians that burnt down like two thirds of Rome. Um, and, uh, I, a lot of people question whether or not Nero started it, but then he blamed the Christians, but either way. Right. Um, so then the, the persecutions really started where then mm-hmm. he started like gathering them together and there's rumors. Oh, there's a witch um, hunt. Yeah. Basically yeah. for all the Christians. Right. And and then there's rumors that like he would have these lavish parties out in his garden and he would drip uh, or or bathe the Christians in oil and then set them on fire. So they'd be human torches for his for his festivities. And so whether or not that's accurate, um, there's question. But the fact, you know, the fact remains like there was a lot of bad stuff that happened. So anyway, I just thought that that's an interesting story to me um, in a horrible kind of way. Join us next week as we explore the individuals who wrote the Gospels and a little history about who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John really were. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our mission on this podcast is to probe topics within the Christian faith to ensure that what we believe is in alignment with Scripture and that we understand why we believe what we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. Did this topic challenge your belief? Did we give you a new perspective? Or did it solidify what you already knew to be true? Leave us a comment and tell us your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you.